Okay, we are now in a very, uh, uh, you know, interesting period of time. So I thought it would be very appropriate to, take it, to tell you what I think is going on and also what the meaning of it is based on the divine plan. So, here goes. Russia has invaded Ukraine, and the world is now going topsy-turvy for obvious reasons, because, uh, you know, Russia obviously has broken the law, international law. They have invaded Ukraine, and they don't really have a reason why. I mean, you know, we know in terms of Putin, he wants to, of course, restore the Russian Soviet Empire. He'd love to do that. But he has broken the law. You know, so the world is in tremendous turmoil because of that. Not only because of Ukraine, but because they feel he may invade also Hungary and Poland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, the Baltic states. Uh, and, and, and other places, Moldova and so on, you know. Anyway, what really seems to be going on? You know, everybody's got their own opinion, but as usual, uh, most of these opinions are either superficial or they're completely wrong. So let me tell you what I think is going on. Uh, first, uh, I had mentioned something a long time ago, and this really uh, illustrates this, this whole current event crisis. You know, chess is an interesting game. It's a game, obviously, where you seek to win. But you don't win in one move. You have to make many, many moves. And finally, you hope to corner the king. And that becomes checkmate, of course. In any case, uh, this is what chess is. Now, what's interesting in chess is that if you make one move, because chess to win has to have many moves. But the interesting thing about it is that any one move does not necessarily reveal the overall strategy. In other words, you can move a pawn. looks very simple, right? Or you can move another piece. Nobody sees the objective, the ultimate objective of that move. Only the one who made the move. God, the Rabboni Shalom, is the grand world chess, man, chess player. But the interesting thing about the Rabboni Shalom is that he can make a move 500 years in the past that is designed with a series of steps through the years to bring about some type of an accomplishment, like I say, hundreds of years later. The Rosham can do that because he has the scope of history behind him. He sees everything. Therefore, it's not easy always to figure out what an event portends because that event can be a, a what's called a preparatory event of something far in the future, you see. So if that's the case, I mean, you know, the lifespan of a person is what? 70, 80 years, 85 years, 90 years. What happens if the move ultimately will bring 
the matter in hundreds of years. So of course you don't see the ultimate move. But the Bershom, of course, who is infinitely and eternal, does. So therefore it's not easy always to figure out what does any given move have ultimately to accomplish. However, sometimes it is possible, you see, and I'm going to try a little of that in this particular shear. So I'm going to try to explain the underlying reason for what it means that Russia under Putin <clears throat> has invaded uh, Ukraine and has put the world into a tremendous turmoil. You know, again, that's what I'm going to try to do. Now, what's important to remember, which I had mentioned, is who is Russia really in terms of Ruchnius, spirituality, you see. And we know that Esau, who was the brother of Yaakov, right, and the son of Yitzchak, he became a Russia. We know that from the Chomish. Now the Torah says that Esau zu Edom. The Esau became the Edomites, which were a Middle Eastern kingdom. The Gemara says Edom zu Romi, that Edom became Rome. And Rome, of course, is the Italians. Rome, who is Rome today, right? Rome is Christianity. Rome, which is a nation, became a religion. And I've spoken about this, which is Christianity. And, of course, Christianity, which is a religion, is basically the religion of the West, Western civilization. Now, Asaph <clears throat> has three different characteristics. One characteristic is that Asaph is a tremendous Balgaiva, tremendously arrogant person. <clears throat> and therefore, he is represented in the West by Russia. Russia, under communism, was completely atheistic. They tried to stamp out, and they were highly successful, all types of religions, because they're atheists. And that is the supreme arrogance of man, that he believes he's it. So Russia under communism is really Asav, but Asav in his worst form. What is interesting is that even though there is no communism today in Russia, because Putin is not a communist, he is, however, an autocrat, a dictator, not a communist, you see. So what we begin to realize is that even though Esau is not communist, he is still what's called the evil of Esau. That's who Russia is. Europe is the second part of Esau. Europe is the fraud, the imposter, the deceiver of Esau, what's called the Mirma, not the Gaiva, but the Mirma, because Christianity in many ways is a religion that presents itself as something which is ethical and moral and so on. Meanwhile, more people have been killed by Christians throughout the thousands of years than in all the wars of mankind. In fact, many of the wars are, the origin of the wars are Christian in nature. Battles, either between the Protestants and the Catholics, or Catholics trying to missionize with the world and so on. So therefore, 
Christianity, unfortunately and tragically, notwithstanding what they think, is an extremely hostile, dangerous religion, the way it is practiced, and so on. You know, they tell you that you should turn the other cheek if somebody hits you, but they forget to tell you that it's your cheek that they turn, you see. So Europe, which is basically Christian, okay, uh, used to be Roman Catholic and, and became Protestant and so on. Basically, Europe is Asov, the imposter, the Miramor part of Asov. So Europe also is the evil of Asov, you see. Now, however, there is a good part of Asov, because Asov was very great in the mitzvah of Kibud Ovoim, which means to honor your father and mother. So the good part of Asav basically is America. And the third aspect of Asav is called the Taiva. The Taiva means the pleasure part of Asav. So in that sense, America is not evil. You know, it's not great either, as we see today, but it certainly doesn't compare to the evil of Russia or Europe, you see. I mean, America honors liberty, which is really great, freedom, you know, and that's why capitalism is where you can practice your economy with freedom and so on. And it has individualism. I mean, America is really a great country. It's probably the greatest country ever known in terms of the world, you see. So America is ASAF, but the pleasure aspect of ASAF you see. Uh, so this is an overall understanding of the Western civilization. You see. Now, we know that as of late, America itself really is subdivided. And the subdivision of America is that America has a Rasha base of. It also has a very part, bad part of of. And today, it is very manifest. I mean, when you take a look at, uh, I'm not going to dwell on this because I have spoken about this extensively, but you take a look at the Democratic Party, which is responsible for enormous amount of evil, you see, amorality, you know, and, uh, and uh, a tremendous amount of injustice and so on. This is the Democratic Party, I mean, I don't want to go into, you know, all, but the way the Democratic Party runs the states that they do is terrible, uh, where, where they permit enormous crimes. People get killed and shot, and they don't do anything. In any case, so America does have an evil of Asav, which overall is nowhere near as bad as Europe or Russia. Now, America also has the real good part of Esau. That's the Tov Shebeisav. And I had mentioned many times is that most people do not know that Esau in the end does tshuva. He repents, yes. And he actually becomes a real brother to Yaakov, which is of, and, and he will assist Yaakov in doing the tikkun, the rectification and bringing the Mashiach. And, you know, I mentioned many, many times 
you know, that uh, Israel, of course, is Yaakov Avinu, and Donald Trump is the good part of Esau that is assisting Israel to do its job. But all this has been done in previous lectures. So we now have an understanding of what is called the division of Esau between Russia, Europe, America, which has the good part of Esau, and it also has the evil part of Esau, you see. Now we know, and I had mentioned this, that we are living in a time which is very close to the Messianic era. And uh, again, without going to it over again, that the Rabbanishim has brought out the Toiv Sheba Esav, the good part of Esav, which, uh, which uh, I believe to be, of course, Donald Trump. And he was. He was president for four years. And he did tremendous things, not only for America. I mean, he, his, his uh, policies have been enormously beneficial to America. But he has helped, helped Israel in so many different ways, even to the extent we know he has now initiated you know, peace between the Arabs and the, and, the, and the Jews, and so on. In any case. So therefore, we know that in a certain sense, the Messianic era has begun, you know, which I've talked about. I don't want to repeat myself, but I've talked about it extensively. However, what the Rabbanishim has done, which is very interesting, is that he has put this uh, beginning on hold. And I explained why that he has removed Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump is ace of doing tshuva, right? And this is the beginning of the turnaround of America to really assist the Jews, because Trump is the Tov Shebeisav, and so on. So what the Bershma has done is put him on hold, because like I said, because the world is now, especially since the, the decree of the Supreme Court, that you cannot discriminate uh, against uh, same-gender marriages. <clears throat> so the LGB, LGBTQ uh, movement is a terrible movement that is equalizing uh, this generation to the marble, to the flood. But in any case, so the Rosham, uh, which I mentioned, wants to end it because America is not going to, you know, uh, regret what they did. They will not reverse it at all. And therefore, the world is headed for a terrible uh, spirit and uh, laws of, uh, you know, homosexuality and gender deviation and so on. I mean, it's, it's terrible what's happening to America, and America is the beacon to the world, so it's certainly happening to the entire world. So the Rebbeinu therefore, seems to have decided to end it, which we know, press the restart button, and, he's gonna, and he has started the Messianic process, but he has put it on hold. Why? Because justice says, wait a minute, you can't bring the Mashiach, even though you want to end the whole world 
history, right, because of the tremendous amount of uh, gender distortion, but still they don't deserve the Messianic era. So God says, you're right, and therefore I'm going to satisfy justice by bringing tremendous punishment to the world and pain to the world. And of course, that was... uh, uh, the beginning of that, of course, was COVID. But what we begin to see, which is, and this is a very important point to focus on, is that the evil part of ASOV, which I mentioned, is the Democratic Party, right? That is represented by Biden, who's part of that evil. And it's the progressives, it is the liberals, all these people, right? are the evil part of Esau. That's their status in heaven. In any case, God is now beginning to overturn them, which is interesting, because we see Biden, he's down in the dumps in terms of poll numbers. I think the poll number is now at 32, which is, which is uh, that, that's like graveyard poll, uh, polling numbers. In any case, so Biden is down. Harris is certainly, I think she's in the 20s, uh, and so on. And the Democratic Party knows they're going to get slaughtered. I believe that God is going to destroy the Democratic Party uh, because they are the ones responsible for the, the deterioration of America. And America, in many ways, is a very great country. <clears throat> this is the great tragedy. I mean, America does tremendous chesed, tremendous kindness in terms of their foreign, what they do in terms of foreign aid and so on. And America, in many ways, is a righteous country. But they have been destroyed. They have been deteriorating because of the Democratic Party. So I believe the time has come, and this is part of the Messianic program, is to destroy the Democratic Party. And we see that in the poll numbers, and we also see that in terms of the fact that Americans, the citizens, now realize who Biden is, that he's fundamentally a tremendous mistake to have been made president. He's basically an empty suit. That's what he is. And they realize that for many reasons. Everything he has done is nothing more than a destruction to America. We see that. I mean, you, we can't believe in one year, right, he became president, I think, on January 20, 2021. And we cannot believe the complete descent of America from what it used to be, whether because of the southern border, which is completely open, inflation, energy independence, you see. There's no justice, there's no bail, the crime rate is soaring beyond belief. There are so many things going on, the inflation that is destroying America. And all of it is the fault of the Democratic Party and Biden. So clearly then, what the Bushman is doing is destroying Biden and the Democratic Party. I mean, Biden wants a legacy, right? as the greatest progressive, right? Instead, he's going to become the laughing stock 
of American history that he's probably among the three worst presidents in American history. You know, if you're wondering who the three are, James Buchanan and so on, and then there is Herbert Hoover with the Depression, and then there's Joe Biden. In any case, Biden now, his legacy will be um, one of the three worst presidents in American history. Therefore, what do we see? We see that the gazera, the decree that evil dominates, because that's what they were saying, justice demands that we also have a place, because Jews don't really deserve the Messianic era. God said, fine. So God has allowed evil to dominate, and he has brought tremendous suffering to the entire world. But we see that this is ending, you see. That's a very important concept, that they won, but it's ending, because, they, like I say, their poll numbers are, are, are in the sewer, you see. Now, if that's the case, it means, in general, that what God is doing is now reversing where the messianic process is going to start again. And that would seem that the Democrats will lose tremendously. And not only that, but uh, we, we, and, uh, <clears throat> Trump will again run and win the election in 2024. And this time, when Trump wins, right, hopefully he will have learned his lesson. I don't want to get into that, it's a whole discussion. Uh, in terms of the mistakes that he made. But he is certainly going to pick up from where he left off. And now he's going to not only, he, his, his motto was to restore you know, greatness to America and so on, make America great again. Well, he's going to have to really make America great again, obviously, because they have destroyed it. So if this is what we see, the Gezerah against the good part of Esau, it seems to be ending. And therefore, God is destroying, or he's taking out the evil part of Esau. And that's really what we're watching, and so on. That the evil part of Esau, right, which I mentioned, the Democratic Party, and Biden, and the progressives, and so on, the Russian is now seems to be taking them out. Now, if that's the case, then what the Russian is going to do, right, is going to take out, in general, the evil part of Esau. Now, now once we have this type of background, we can begin to understand what God is doing. Now, you have to remember one thing, that whatever God does is multi-deterministic. It doesn't have one objective. It has many objectives. You see, so I'm going to tell you uh, a number of objectives that can result from what Putin in Russia is doing. So let's take a look at that. One, which is very interesting. What Putin did is absurd, obviously. There's no real reason why he should do this. He had no claim against Ukraine. Ukraine is a national is a, is a, has its own sovereignty, and it's just a, a regular conqueror like uh, Genghis Khan in the olden days to take it over because he wants to increase 
the Soviet Empire, or he has delusions of grandeur, whatever. But it's absurd. But what's interesting is that Putin is taking a tremendous risk. You know, we are living in a world now, in 2022, where the world is, is much more united and much more able and willing to take a stand together to maintain world order. Because the world has gone through two world wars, and it has enormously destroyed so many people and so many societies. So the world is much more united to prevent that. And that's really one of the reasons, of course, why you have the United Nations, to prevent the former behavior of mankind, where one nation would pick itself up and try to destroy other nations because it wanted to conquer or it wanted money, tribute, or power, or honor and glory, or whatever the excuse was, you see. Uh, so therefore, Putin is really taking a tremendous chance. First of all, the world now recognizes Putin not just as a dictator, but as a madman. This doesn't make any sense. He can't just invade a sovereign nation. So they now he has destroyed his international reputation in many ways as an incredible evil person, a monster, because he is creating enormous amount of turmoil and destruction in Ukraine. So that's the first thing Putin has done. He, I mean, there are dictators, but this is he has uh, you know presented himself as a dictator that is ruthless and cruel, you see. So that's very bad for Putin. Because remember, the world is interconnected. You cannot remain a nation on your own because you are tied really to every other nation in terms of trade, in terms of the economy, right? Uh, in terms of alliances and so on. You can't just do what you want, you know? You have to, uh, you have to be connected and on good terms with many nations in order to survive. You see, Putin in many ways has destroyed that. Besides that, it is very possible that uh, he, the, the sanctions that are being presented against him uh, is the, uh, they're going to throw him out of the swift banking system where they will not accept or give him any dollars for his ruble. Now, Russia is a third world country, you should know. They're very poor economically, you know, and uh, not only are they poor economically and, and so on, but their ruble is basically worthless. Nobody wants rubles. Nobody's going to sell them anything for rubles, you see. So therefore, they are dependent on what is called the world currency, right, which is the dollar. And if everybody excludes them and ostracizes them from the dollar, they're finished. So that country can go into a massive depression. And therefore, it's very possible that the country, maybe, the country will revolt against Putin. So really, he is threatening his own stability, right, in his own country, you see. And that may be the ultimate way to get rid of Putin to get rid of the evil of Russia. And that, you never know, may start some type of movement 
to make Russia more democratic. But clearly, Putin is taking a tremendous chance, which may result in the overthrow of Putin, which would make sense that God wants to destroy the evil of Asav. Now, Europe also is tremendously uh, in turmoil. <clears throat> now, let's take a look at Ukraine. Now, Ukraine is a very strange nation, I should say. Ukraine is a very anti-Semitic country. Bogdan Khmelnyky, in 1648, right, he made the pogroms, and he killed hundreds of thousands of Jews. He and his Cossacks went through Poland, went through a lot of Eastern Europe, and killed Jews. These are Ukrainians. In fact, they have a statue of this guy, I think, in, in Kiev. In any case, uh, Ukraine has basically, in many ways, always been an anti-Semitic nation. And in World War II, there was tremendous amount of anti-Semitic atrocities against the Jewish people. Many people in Ukraine say they were worse than the Nazis, you see. So it would seem, therefore, now I'm not saying all Ukrainians are this. No, I'm not saying that at all. But clearly, anti-Semitism has been part of Ukrainian history to a very severe degree. And therefore, what God is doing is called payback time. He is subjected, subjecting the Ukrainians to what they deserve. Now again, I'm not saying all of them deserve this. Of course not. You see, but clearly on the scales of God, Ukraine as a country has a terrible anti-Semitic history. So therefore, this is also, like I said, what God does in multi-deterministic, this is also payback to Ukraine for what it has been doing. Now we know also that what's going to increase as a result of this is inflation, which is already increasing and going through the roof, you see. Because oil, the price of oil is going to go up and you're going to be paying five, six dollars a gallon, which is going to bankrupt many Americans. And that is very bad for Biden and the Democratic Party. So the third idea, besides Putin may be destroyed, Ukrainians are being punished, is that the Democratic Party will be destroyed because America will not tolerate the inflation, which could easily go to 10%, which, is, which hasn't been like that in, what, 40 years, 50 years, whatever. <clears throat> so therefore, all of these things are possible with Putin invading Ukraine. That's what we see so far. Now, one of the things which is very bad, what Russia has done, you see, is that he has now justified many nations to enter a nuclear arms race. Because now, um, because what Putin did, which is interesting, is he has activated a nuclear energy unit. In other words, he actually has threatened the world with the possible usage of a hydrogen bomb. Now what that means, which is really incredible, now what that means is that the world 
can now justify themselves and say, well, we now have to include in our budget, right, money for nuclear devices, which means that countries are now going to invest in nuclear bombs. So that's an arms race, nuclear. Now, we know many countries are completely irresponsible. If they, if they would have the bomb, God forbid, then they could use it, especially many third world nations. So this is a very dangerous part. So in a certain sense, you know, the world is at the brink of destruction. Yeah. By doing this, Putin is allowing the world to enter the brink of destruction. Because if many nations develop the atomic bomb or the hydrogen bomb, the world can be destroyed. You see? Because somebody's going to make a mistake and launch a nuclear war when it should never have been launched, you see. So that's a very important idea. Now, why is God allowing the world to develop a nuclear arms race and therefore bring the world to the brink of destruction? You have to remember one thing, which is interesting. The world could never destroy itself for thousands of years. I mean, you could have conquerors, for instance, Genghis Khan, you know, uh, the barbarians and so on. They, they actually were the greatest nation ever known to conquer the greatest amount of real estate in the world. They couldn't destroy the world. Nobody had the ability to do that. I mean, even if you conquer a nation, you kill people. Okay, fine. It's one nation, two nations, maybe three nations. It's not the entire world. The world now has the ability, if you think about it, to destroy itself completely because of nuclear weapons, you see. And one of the reasons for that, why God has allowed the world to develop into that status, is because, if you think about it, the world is at the Memteshari Tumah. The world is at the 49th level of defilement, contamination. And therefore, because of what the world is doing, the enormous degradation, degeneration, and depravity of what the world has entered, they really should be subject to the marble, the flood, which I had mentioned quite a while ago, that the reason why the flood came is because of the um, sexual perversion, the gender perversions of the world at that time which is exactly what the world is now getting into. So therefore, the world really is judicially is uh, guilty of death. Therefore, God says, because you are guilty of death, I'm going to actually allow you to be able to destroy yourselves. I won't let you do it, but therefore, this indicates this is really what you're worthy of, to be destroyed and mankind now has the ability to destroy itself. Now, this is so far what seems to be going on. In other words, what I'm saying is that the, the, the war that is going on in Ukraine, right, is really part and parcel of the zero of the decree to increase evil, and now it seems to be ending. So therefore, all of this is very likely the, uh, the uh, events that have to occur 
to begin to remove the evil of the world, to restore the messianic process, to allow Trump to become president again, and to begin to help Israel, the Jewish people, uh, to begin to usher in, really, a messianic era. Now, there's one more thing going on, which in many ways, this could be even the main reason why this happened. If you think about it, okay, um, and this is a classic example that God makes a move in order for something to happen years later. In 1990, Saddam Hussein of Iraq invaded Kuwait. Why did he do that? Did he really think that the world is going to sit by and allow him to take all the oil from Kuwait when so many nations need that oil? Of course not. Saddam Hussein is a moron. That all these guys are. And just as an aside, Putin is supposed to be worth, that's what they estimate, $40 billion. What he could do, Russia is a very poor nation. He, what he could have done is raise and elevate the economy of Russia, where Russia could become a great nation. I mean, the, the Russians are bright people, you know, scientists, engineers, and so on in the literatures and so on. So instead of Putin running around trying to flex his muscle and conquer nations, why didn't this guy do what he should have done, which is to elevate Russia, right, to become a great economic force? What does he need $40 billion for? He should have taken the wealth, because Russia is very wealthy in terms of its oil. He could have raised the country he could have enormously benefited Russia to become a great nation legitimately. Instead, this guy is basically interested, right, in furthering the sphere of influence of Russia so he can control everything. That's the problem with all these dictators. It's all about them. It's never about the people. And if it is about the people, it's only to further them. This is the problem. But of course Putin didn't do that because he's a fool. He's given an incredible opportunity to do such good for his nation and he blew the whole thing. But in any case, so this is Saddam Hussein who wants to take over Kuwait. So of course, U.S. people went against the nations, fought him and so on. They went against him, you see. Because everybody thought that Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. Now, of course, it wound up that he didn't have any, and eventually, of course, he got killed, which, in many ways, he was a terrible, terrible human being, where he used to torture people, he and his sons, without getting into that. But in any case, this is what eventually happened. Now, why did he do that? Well, he had his motives, whatever they are. But what it did do is made America think that Iraq is the enemy, not Iran. Meanwhile, the real enemy of mankind is Iran. So because America went to war with Iraq, right, and they fought uh, Saddam Hussein, Iran, meanwhile, silently, is building up, you know, trying to become nuclear. So therefore, 
what Saddam was saying, he distracted, you see, America from realizing who the true enemy is. And this has been going on. Now, I had mentioned the Medrash a long time ago, where this is what it says in the Medrash. Again, it's a Yalbut Shemoni. It's in Yeshayo, section 499. And it says the following. It says, Bishavua, in the week, which doesn't mean the week, but in the seven-year cycle, right, that the Ben David, Mashiach Ben David comes, Poras, Persia, which of course is Iran, is going to instigate a war with Arav, Arabia. And Arabia is going to go to consult, because of this, with Edom, you see. And what's going to happen is, Poras is going to begin to destroy the world. Makrivis Kolo Oilam, which it says, this is what it says in the Medrash, that was written 2,000 years ago. Poras, Iran, is going to begin to destroy the world. And the Jews are going to go back and forth saying, we don't really know what to do, you know. They're going to be frightened, and they're going to go back and forth, right? And then all of a sudden, Ibaskol, a divine voice, will come out and say, don't worry. Everything I have done, which means God is saying, everything I have done for the Jews, right, is only for the sake of the Jews, and the redemption. And then God will utter the famous words, Higia Zman Geulas Chem. The time of your redemption has arrived. What we see, therefore, is that the war of Iran, right, with the Jewish people, and secondarily with the world, is the last war before the messianic process begins. This is what it says in the Midrash. Now that is a very important idea. And that is one of the reasons why you know, I have always maintained that Iraq will become nuclear no matter what happens. And God has sent historical events to distract America and the world from the real enemy, which is Iran. And they have been building nuclear weapons. And we know what Obama did, which is insane, that he has, not, he has allowed them, you know, he has actually given them a, a, a termination time, right? That you now can go and do whatever you want and build nuclear weapons, which of course is insane. How does a person do that? But then Biden is doing the exact same thing. It's unbelievable. They know what Iran is. They know that Iran, right, is responsible for all the... the, the uh, unrest, all the terror that goes on in the entire Middle East and in many places of the world. Yet they still don't care that Iran is building a nuclear weapon. All of this, in many ways, is of divine planning. Because that's the Medrash. Because the last war that Israel will have, really, is with Iran. And they are truly building nuclear weapons. And because of that, they, therefore, can threaten the world. And they are. You know, they are threatening the world. And we know what they're going to do. You know, they're going to arm, right? Because they want to become the Shiites. They are Shiites. And they want to become, 
you know, uh, the uh, conquerors of the entire Middle East. They want to restore, you know, the Islamic empire of Shiites. That's why the Sunnis, the majority of Arabs are Sunnis. That's why they are frightened of what Iran wants to do, you see. Because Iran not just wants to conquer. Iran is really a butchering religion. That's what Shiite is. Very, very dangerous. Yet America completely capitulates to this. So therefore, what is interesting is America is now negotiating with Iran. And they're giving in to Iran. They're allowing Iran to have whatever they need, which is incredible. You know, it's just beyond belief how these people could think in such a ridiculous fashion. Now, when you think about it, right, with Putin and Russia invading Ukraine, who is thinking about Iran? Nobody. Nobody. Because everybody is now thinking about Putin and Ukraine. So what's happening is that this has become a major distraction of turning the world's attention away from Iran and toward Russia and Ukraine. See, it's another Saddam Hussein distraction. Because in the end, Iran will become nuclear. And that's going to present terrible, uh, you know, terrible uh, crisis to Israel. And besides that, it's also going to justify Iran's desire to become nuclear. Because now they can say, in fact, any nation that wants to become nuclear, they can say, well, we have to become nuclear, right, in order to protect ourselves from Russia or from China. Because China is right behind Russia waiting to take Taiwan. You see, so it has now justified nations to become nuclear. And certainly that has done so to Iran. That's exactly what is happening with, uh, with Iran, which is very bad. You see, so another reason for Putin invading uh, Ukraine is to distract the world from Iran, where Iran will become nuclear. And that will set the stage in in a very short time for the ultimate and final confrontation between Iran, Islam, and and, uh, Israel, you see. And of course, like the Medrash says, Higiyaz Mangu Lashem. That is the uh, time. Now remember also one thing, you see, that we are now in a Shemitah year. And the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, I think it's Omar Ravho, that in Moitzoi Shemitah will begin the Messianic era. So we are only about six or seven months away from that. You see, so the year itself, right, is part of, uh, is, is uh, in certain sense, predicted to be a messianic time. By the way, one of the things also which is interesting is God is accelerating the emigration of Ukrainian Jews to go to Israel. Because a lot of Jews, you know, basically seem to be, they're going to pick themselves up and leave and emigrate to Israel, you see. In any case, so we now see that what's happening, that overall, 
this is part of the process to begin to terminate the power and the dominion of the evil of Esau because it's happening all around, you see. So that's the first very important idea. Next idea is that it has provided a tremendous distraction, you see, of Iran to become nuclear. That's ultimately up ahead. So, in any case, this is what seems to be happening, you see. And I've gone to all the points and so on, you know. Um, which obviously is very different than what most people think. Look, we have to hope that this is true, that all of this is a preparation for a messianic era of which we cannot even begin to comprehend. Any questions? What was that? You think that Russia is doing this just so Iran could uh, do what it has to do to keep the world no. from No, it has nothing to do with that. No, Russia, Russia is doing it for its own reasons. I'm just saying that God is using this to distract the world away from Iran. It's not, it's not Russia's intent. I'm saying this is what's part of the plan. Just like Saddam Hussein with Iraq was part of the plan to allow America to make it think that Iraq was the enemy, was really, it's Iran that's the enemy. And all of it was to allow, suddenly, Iran to become nuclear, to fulfill that last prophecy. You see. Any other questions? So how long do we need to be distracted for? Well, they're pretty close to having a bomb. You know? But remember, it's not just Iran. It's also the evil of Asav is also slowly being destroyed. It's both. So there are two objectives here. You know? So do you think this is going to turn into World War III? No. Nothing is gained by World War III. Nothing. There will be confrontations, that's true. But it won't be a world war. Because like I say, a World War III is a world that destroys itself. Because mankind now has the ability to destroy itself. World War II, they couldn't do that. You know, you could take out a nation. You can't wipe out the whole world, although you could really harm it. But today, with hypersonic missiles, hydrogen bombs, wipe out the planet. You know? And the, the amount of destruction. I mean, one bomb in the middle of New York will kill 5 million people and wipe out the amount of real estate it will destroy is incalculable. And that's besides making New York City radioactive for another thousand years. You can't repair that. No, 
God will, uh, that is not in the uh, planning plan at all. Or that gain. It's just that the world is being threatened by the evil people. You see. You know. So where does Any other questions? Where does Mashiach ben Yosef fall into place here? Where does he fall into place here? Well, like I say, what we are looking at, or what we are looking for, I should say, is that the gzera of the gollus, the gzera of the klipa, as it is known, should end. And that's basically the pekida. And at a certain period of time, or point in time, it will end, just like Egypt. There's a certain period of time that the decree of punishment or the decree of suffering is over. And instantly, because God does not delay, in instantly it goes from a failure, as they say, from darkness to light. You see? And that's really what we're waiting for. We do not know how long the gullets will continue. You know, we do not know how long how long evil will dominate. But there has to come a time, just like Egypt, where the Xera ends. And as soon as, like they say, a Russia, as soon as the, uh, the judgment about, uh, against him, you know, is initiated, immediately he's destroyed. God does not wait. You know, what protects all of these Rishoyim is the Sutton and his prosecutions. That's what protects these people because the Sutton is prosecuting. He's an unbelievable prosecuting attorney and he's an unbelievable defense attorney for the evil of the world. But he, after a while, he runs out of defense arguments. Then immediately, the judgment is pronounced, the sentence, and they are destroyed what happened in Egypt they were destroyed that's what we're waiting for but it's going to come soon it's going to come soon and you see it's going to come soon because it's already being reversed the evil of America and these people are incredibly evil we don't realize what the evil is I mean you take a city like Chicago I think in the last 10 years I'm trying to remember the statistic. It's either six, but I think it's nine. Nine thousand blacks have been murdered in a ten-year period. Do you have any idea what the indictment is against the government in Chicago? Because it's their job to prevent it. Every black that is murdered, right, will ultimately be revenged everyone and those people that could have prevented it they will be incredibly punished especially the judges and so on and the government officials and this is true of many cities in america and i'm just talking about only one injustice crime you know every window in new york 
last year that was broken on Fifth Avenue because the BLM were destroying businesses all over the place. And that, that, that person who calls himself a human, which is not a human, and that's de Blasio, allowed this to happen. It's unbelievable. You see, so every, every penny that a person had to do, spend to fix the window, forget about the aggravation. De Blasio is responsible. This man has no idea of what his punishment will look like when the wheels of justice finally puts him in the defense seats. In fact, none of them do. They all think that they can get away with this because he happens to be the mayor. But when a person accepts responsibility, right, then he has a tremendous responsibility. And if he falters in that because of negligence or stupidity, you know, or just bad character, he has no idea that when the wheels of justice finally stop at him, He's finished, you see. And and we're looking at all of these people. These people make tremendous mistakes. You know, I mean, just as an aside, one of the things that I am appalled at is that there are so many people in America that have become murderers. Reitzchem. Where? Because they have forbade uh, hydroxychloroquine ivermectin, or uh, monoclonal antibodies, or whatever. They have stopped, uh, they have not allowed people to take drugs, which are safe, you see. And they wanted to off-purpose them to save their lives. And these people said no. They made it unavailable. You couldn't even get it in the pharmacy. Why? Why didn't they test it out? We're talking about human lives. If they didn't care because they wanted money, they had to invest in Pfizer and so on. Do we have any idea what these people will get when justice looks at them? I want that you don't want to be a million miles from these people when the judgment of God looks at them, because they're they're murderers. They have contributed to the agony of people who had to die alone hardly breathing in a hospital. You have any idea what the agony is that a person cannot see his wife, his kids, he can't see anybody, and he dies alone in the middle of agony because some Russia murderer sitting in some government position doesn't want to allow him to try to save his life? Well, no, we cannot comprehend that, but they will understand it at a future time. People forget there's a God. God does not forget. And not only that, God cannot be bribed. And God knows exactly the, the weight of the, of the guilt, right? The culpability that these people have. I, you know, it's just astounding to watch how many people, you know, have, are going to be judged in the, wheel, in, the, in, in the balance of justice as unbelievably evil people, you see. So when that evil stops, then that's the messianic era. 
That's what we want. We want the gzir to end. Even if it doesn't begin quickly, but it has to end. The evil has to stop. The domination of evil must stop. That is what we pray for. And therefore the good can now begin to develop and grow and prosper. And that is in very short order. Rabbi, I have a question. Yeah. It's it's not from this class. It's from a previous class that you um, told us. Yeah. Remember when you told us about um, how um, Mashiach Ben Yosef is two people like Moshe and Aharon was? Yes. I uh, offered that, yes. Correct. So now, um, when I was reading the parasha when we did Cheta Egel, and Moshe didn't come down, how come Bnei Israel didn't turn to Aharon? Why did they feel the need to turn to make an Egel if they had Aharon there, who was in, in, uh, like the other half of Moshe in, in some sense? He, oh, he was the deliverer. So like, why wouldn't they turn to him in that sense of direction versus um, making the Egel? Good question. But the idea would be this, you know, do, does anybody know, you know, who Aaron really is? The concept of a Mashiach or a Mashiach ben Yosef? Not really. You see, Aaron is a tremendous person, tremendous tzaddik, obviously. But do they recognize him, who he is spiritually? That's the first idea. Second idea, Aaron is not the source. What the Jews wanted was a leader who's a source. You know, who's not telling you what he heard somebody else say. If Moshe is gone, then the source or the connection to God is gone. So therefore, what's Aaron going to do for us? He himself needs Moshe Rabbeinu, you see. So therefore, what they wanted to do is build a God that could be the source that somehow would be able to lead the Jewish people Territ Israel. Remember, the problem was is that the Jews were slaves for hundreds of years. So therefore they had a slave mentality. This is the problem with Jews. Therefore a slave doesn't do anything on his own. He only does something when his master directs him. You see? Because that's a slave mentality. You know, he's a follower, not a leader. The problem was with Moshe Rabbeinu gone. They're slaves. They're back, so to speak, in Egypt, following. So they're desperately in need of a leader. Aaron, you know, he's a, obviously an incredibly, incredible person, brilliant and all that, but he's not the divine source, which they knew, because Moshe is the source of prophecy, even though Aaron is a Navi, you see. But the, the guidance that the Jews need is from Moshe. And if Moshe's not around, then they need to build one, build a god, so to speak, Kabbalistically, which is really what the eagle was, you see. And that's why they would not, Aaron could not replace Moshe, you see. Even if anyway, they knew that, uh, even if they knew that, Aharon, 
that even if they knew that Aharon spoke to Hashem, like Hashem spoke to Aharon, yes. it's not like he didn't have any connection. No, but that's not the same as Moshe. Moshe was a source which is... You, it, it, it's hard to believe a man speaking to a being that is not only infinite, that is completely different than we. Yet Moshe was there to speak to God. Aaron, even if he spoke to him, which he did, right? But that's not a... Uh, for that mitzvah, it was a source. But in an overall way, Aaron is not assigned to be a leader like Moshe. You see? And since Moshe is not there, well, that's it. You see? Well, yeah. When does Moshe Rabbeinu come back into the picture of the Mashiach? Like, well, uh, Mashiach ben David. There are three people that will lead the Jewish people. Uh, one is Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef, and Moshe Rabbeinu. He will be together. All three. So Gimel Yavo. What? What? What stage does Eliyahu Navi come in? Eliyahu Navi is the one who announces the entry right before. He's like, uh, you know, he, he announces what's about to happen. So he announces Mashiach ben David or Mashiach ben Yosef? Uh, it would seem that he announced Mashiach ben David. Not Mashiach ben Yosef. Because the world by Mashiach ben Yosef remains natural. Teva. By Mashiach ben David, it's completely supernatural. I mean, that's what Tcher Samesim is. There's no more death. Forget about it. That's, it's, a, it's a supernatural world. But Mashiach ben Yosef has to contend with a world that is natural. And within that, he will destroy the nations of the world. You see. But it's a natural type of interaction with the world. You see. So, uh, Eliyahu Novi will be the forerunner of Mashiach ben David. So, going back to what you were saying, Ukraine is basically getting punished for being an anti-Semitic country. That's why they're being targeted. Yes, and uh, remember, I, 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 look, I, it's important. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying everybody in Ukraine deserves punishment. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But Ukraine as a nation allowed who knows how many Jews were slaughtered by Ukrainians. And they have a tremendously long history of terrible anti-Semitism. You know, I find that interesting. I think, if I remember correctly, Putin actually said that one of the reasons why he wants to go into Ukraine is to denazify Ukraine. I think he actually said that. And that was a almost, which is interesting, that's almost like a prophetic insight into the nature of the national Ukrainian character uh, from a national standpoint, you know? Yeah. Many people say that the Ukrainians were worse than the Lithuanians. I don't want to leave them out. That they were worse than the Nazis. They just used to gather together and kill Jews. It was just unbelievable. What kind of a country is this? You know? So, therefore, I'm just saying, for, you know, um, look, anyway, they, they were punished, but for some reason, God is revisiting the punishment again on Ukraine, you see, by, re, by taking away their, uh, 
their independence. But we don't know what's going to happen, really. This whole thing is in a state of flux. It changes day by day. You know, this is going to drag out for quite a while until we actually see the results of this, uh, this uh, war, you know, going on. You know, this is all, uh, you know, it's, it's really uh, a tremendous holding pattern where evil is being destroyed. It just takes many, many different uh, months and so on to do that. You know. But it is that's, interesting. That's, for the next couple of months, that's basically what we're going to be dealing with. Uh, yes. The, this is not a crisis that's going to go away in a week. You know, and Putin is not going to give up. You know, he's got a safe face. He's heavily invested in taking over. You know, he's, he's put down his last card, as they say. And he cannot afford to reverse our direction. What? So, Rabbi, if... I, I cannot hear you. What was that? I don't understand what he's more than he's gaining. Well, I want to tell you something. I don't think Putin has free will. I think God is forcing him. He took away his free will to do this. Because what he's doing makes absolutely no sense. You know, it's a clear act of aggression. Clear. You know, he wants the Soviet Union to be restored. Like, who's he? It's incredible. You know. So it doesn't so really make sense. What was that? You said that, the, that what's happening now with the Ukraine, it's like a big distraction. Yes. You know, so now people are forgetting about Iran. I remember yes. you were saying that if we could just stop saying Lushan Hara, then yeah. the prosecutions would stop. Yes. So the whole world is, is completely consumed with terror from the Ukraine invasion now. Yes. And maybe that's going to, because now people aren't really, like we, we're trying to have more unity. Everyone's like, maybe not saying so much Lush and Hara. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. That's right. So maybe it's a, it's a way to distract us to get us to talk about something different instead of saying mean things to each other. Maybe. God has introduced a new topic to talk about instead of ourselves. Maybe. That certainly could be part of the ideas, sure. 